Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Gaston Gold sets up. If you're gonna blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I'll be honest, Matt. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday morning. And Sunday night, storms come through the area, and my three-year-old decided that was when she needed to get in the bed with my wife ah. and I. So <clears throat> between being kicked and punched all night by a three-year-old, <laughs> my Monday morning is off to a, a pretty sluggish start. So uh, speaking of sluggish starts, I guess this is a sluggish Longhorn Blitz because we're down a member of the team. Yep. We do not have with us today our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. And nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers is not with us today, and we often joke with Rod about needing to get his T-ring replaced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod got a ring of another kind over the weekend. Matt, Rod yes. got married. So congratulations to Rod and Melissa on their wedding uh, out in Lake Tahoe. Uh, so Rod will not be with us uh, for the regular edition of the Blitz this week. We're potentially maybe working on something for later in the week, but we'll keep everybody updated on that. But worst case scenario, we will be back in here to record next Monday when Rod will be with us. So, uh, but we march on, Matt. We've have you you and I. It's been a long time since you and I have done this show. I was going to say, have we done this in a while? And it's been. It's been a long time since it's just been you and I doing yeah, the Yeah, I was trying to go through my head to think of when was the last time Rod took a vacation, but he really never takes vacations, and I believe since we came to this building, it seems like it's been... Oh, we've not done one by ourselves in this building. Nope, no. nope. It, the old house, I guess would be where it's Yeah, at. this is, a, and for those that don't know, this is the original format of the Blitz, which is myself and Matt. For about and, a month. 
Yeah, and then we brought Rod on as kind of a guest host, and Rod was the house guest who never left. <laughs> and, yep. And uh, so we eventually formed Longhorn Blitz for that 2012 season, and it we've just been motoring along ever since. But no, congratulations to Rod uh, and his lovely bride. Glad, uh, looking forward to getting Rod back into the studio to be a part of the program. Uh, you can get Rod Babers and myself and Matt each and every week. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, click the follow button to, to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz, the flagship and state of recruiting. Longhorn Blitz, as everybody listening to this knows, drops every Tuesday morning bright and early. So uh, click that follow button. And don't forget to uh, leave us a five-star review if you'd be so kind as to do so. Uh, also got to remind you, get over to Horns 24-7. All your Longhorn news, notes, and nuggets both on the recruiting trail and from a team standpoint are over on the site. And that is pertinent this week because, Matt, we got camp. Starting up on Friday. Reporting day is Thursday. The first practice of the first fall camp of the Steve Sarkeesian era takes place on Friday, and we made it. We made it through the offseason. We got to camp time. And, you know, Matt, as we start looking through kind of culling offseason information, it's been, I've made no bones about the fact that I'm not a huge fan of this Texas receiver group. And it's not that I don't think these guys aren't talented. They are talented. But there's a lot of unproven commodities. And your most proven commodity is at this point is Jordan Whittington, a guy that's definitely had his share of injuries. But I think at this point Jordan Whittington's a guy that you've got to feel fairly good about just because he made it through spring healthy. And it does seem like at least the hope is going into camp that he's over those issues. But – other than that, and Matt, I don't know if you've got any receiver numbers uh, to go through, but when you talk about losing production from last season with Brennan Eagles moving on, Jake Smith transferring out, uh, e- even taking into consideration Tariq Black's production, there's a lot of rotational spots, playing time that's going to be up for grabs at that position in camp. And I keep going back to what Steve Sarkeesian said about that group at the end of spring ball and what he said about that group at Big 12 Media Days, and the messages were not that different, is they're just looking for more consistency across the board. And I say all that to say this, Matt. When we look at all the offseason reports that we had at Horns 24-7, and our latest edition of The Insider was wrapping up summer workouts, and Xavier Worthy's name keeps popping up Mm -hmm. a lot. And I guess... If there's ever a time where you're going to buy into the hype of a true freshman wide receiver, man, this might be it just because the conditions are right for that guy to come in and have a pretty big role in an offense where we feel like we discussed this. We discussed this last week and we discussed this throughout uh, throughout the summer. I feel like this offense is going to be built around the running back position. So whatever touches are left for that receiver group, we know Keelan Robinson's going to gobble up some of those as being, as Sark called him, the quote-unquote gadget play guy. But outside of that, everything seems to be up for grabs. And I, I'll be honest, I forget Joshua Moore's returning production. He was your leading receiver in terms of receptions last year, Joshua Moore coming back. But Xavier Worthy, his ability to take the top off a of defense, that speed he brings to the table, as I said, Matt, if there's ever a time where you're going to buy into the hype on a true freshman wide receiver, 
do it now because there's a lot of playing time up for grabs in this receiver group. And also, that's exactly what we were saying last year at the beginning of small of fall camp and ended up being O'Meary getting the injury and not being able to see a guy like him come in. But the fact that that sort of was felt as the room last year and you were replacing so much at the time with Duvernay and with Colin Johnson leaving. And then when you look at... Not only did O'Meary's injury happen, but then when you have the attrition this year and you have guys like Smith leave or Eagles and Black, like you mentioned, below Joshua Moore, the 56 targets last season to Moore. Then it's Eagles 48, Smith 38, and Treat Black 24 before you get to Whittington 24, and right below him is Brendan Schooler, who's on the other who's, side of the nah, ball. Yeah, who's not playing defense. Exactly. So, like, and then you see Cade Brewer at 21 and Bijan Robinson 17. Jared Wiley only got 12, and you can sort of clump together. Keontae and Roshan's 11 and 11, maybe to be more of the dispersion that you're talking about to Keelan Robinson. So, yeah, you have a lot vacated there below Joshua Moore. And good thing is, is last year in camp you thought you see a lot from O'Meary and he could be that emerging freshman type guy. Now with a guy like Worthy, both of them, being able to come in, like if they are performing that well, if they do stay healthy, it sort of fits the way that you see Sarkeesian use his receivers because he's a high snap type guy. When you look at his starters, his starters play more snaps than you would say average college starters play. Now, a lot of that can be the talent you have when you're at Alabama. Right. But when you have a guy like Jalen Waddle backing him up at the time the year before, you can't necessarily say that because you still saw the hierarchy and the starters get the bulk of the snaps so if you do get something from O'Meary and Worthy that say you've been expecting out of the guys because they just look that good on the field then filling in the holes around Whittington and Moore maybe aren't isn't going to be that tough but when it's unproven you don't necessarily know yet so then it leaves a question yeah so I'm just going to read some snippets from uh, our insider piece at Horns 24-7 that came out late last week uh, recapping summer workouts and who stood out uh I'm, and I'm reading verbatim from the piece right now. At receiver freshman Xavier Worthy's name has come up all summer as a guy who appears to be a potential impact player from a speed and separation standpoint. Quote, let's see it in pads, but he certainly grabbed his teammates' attention, a source said. And here's something interesting too, Matt. Uh, you mentioned Troy O'Meary. Another team source said Troy O'Meary, quote, needs to plug back into the fire he had during fall camp last year. End quote. And, and that's kind of my hesitation with the receiver group. Like, outside of Joshua Moore and to an extent Jordan Whittington, you can't lead to chance anything with any of these guys. Like, yes, Troy O'Meary had a really good camp up until the t- a great camp last year, up until the time he got hurt. But keep in mind, he wasn't even full contact throughout the spring. And even mm-hmm. in the spring game, the couple of balls he caught, there were really, really quick whistles when guys got close to, to delivering contact mm-hmm. to him. So you know, I know we can be excited about Troy O'Meary. I know the picture of him posing next to DeAndre Hopkins that <laughs> went viral a few weeks ago got everybody really excited. But I don't know, Matt. Like it, it's we're, All we're talking about with this receiver group, outside of those two guys we continue to mention, Moore and Whittington, it's just all hype at this point. And, and hope. And, and when you're yeah. dealing with hope in this situation, it's something meaning that nothing's proven. It's sort of like that 
you know, DKR quote is about potential. It means you aren't worth a darn right now. And that just is what comes with the territory in these situations. Now, you can be hopeful that these guys are going to go and do what, say, you expect based on certain, you know, reports in previous workouts. But you're right, even bringing up the injury, coming back from an injury and just normalizing yourself to full contact yeah. and those things. That just takes time naturally, and it does it like we saw all the way across all sports with guys. Injuries, you come back a lot sooner in AC and you see, you know, whatever the leg or extremity nowadays, it seems to allow players, the medicine just is so much better to come back quicker, but still mentally inside a player's brain has to get comfortable with coming back and cutting and doing all those things and bracing for contact. Football's a whole nother level. Not only do you have to feel confident in your skill, but then when you're being tackled every time, how do you feel that and go down with it? So yeah. it makes sense that a guy coming off of a what would be called a catastrophic knee injury at one point, it takes time to come back from. You have snap numbers and target numbers for Alabama's yeah, wide receivers last year. While you pull those up, I, I, you know, we're mentioning all this and, and I've had, you know, I've been, again, I've been on my soapbox all offseason about the receiver group, but as we start to look at camp battles and, like, where are the best position battles going to be in this camp, man, wide receiver is going to be one of those because you figure, and, Matt, you'll mm-hmm. be able to verify this with pulling up the numbers. I mean, I don't think Sark is going to want a receiver rotation as deep as Tom Herman's was no, unless not. he has to have one, unless there's just no separation and, and that could be no separation in a good way or a bad way, no separation for man. There's this group of like five or six guys outside of Smith, or not Jake Smith, outside of Whittington and more that you feel really good about, or man, outside of Joshua Moore and Jordan Whittington, maybe there just aren't that many guys that Sark and Andre Coleman feel that great about. Yeah. So it's going to cut both ways, but I, I do think ideally Sark would like to have a group of you know, maybe four to five guys that he feels really good about. But, again, that's going to come down to camp competition. And in that group, you've got Xavier Worthy, you've got Troy O'Meary, you've got Kelvante Dixon, Marcus Washington is a guy who's flashed a little bit. You know, does Alvante Woodard, does Alvante Woodard enjoy kind of like the – I don't even know if you could call it a John Harris-esque emergence because John Harris at least I think had, had caught a touchdown or two <laughs> before, before he blew up and had mm-hmm. a thousand-yard season – in 2014, so you start looking at all those bodies in the receiver room, and they're plentiful. I mean, a guy like Montrell Estelle, everybody's favorite walk-on, and I say that in jest, knowing how some people feel about him, a guy like Kai Money. Uh, is it another one of these true freshmen? Uh, uh, a Jaden Alexis, somebody like that. A uh, Dejon Harrison who opted out last year due to COVID. So you've got a lot of guys in that group that are going to be jockeying for playing time, and there there are spots to be had outside of Smith and Whittington. Uh, but am I right, Matt? I think Sark probably his at least that sample at Alabama shows. Hey, he probably doesn't want like seven or eight guys rotating no. in. He probably wants it cut down to like four or five. Yeah, because you end up having if you just go look at double digit targets overall. Well, first off, I'll give you the front number. You had four hundred five targets overall on Alabama, three twenty six from Texas. So a lot more passes, a lot more quantity over to Alabama, yet still Texas had thirteen players with ten or more targets. Alabama had eight and Brian Robinson Jr. was the guy with ten uh, that's mm. it. You know, when you look yeah. at there were only seven guys ahead of that with 19 more. Now, guys over 50, you have Texas one, 
That's Joshua Moore. Alabama, Moore's three. Moore's 56, right? Yes, at 56. Okay. You have Alabama, three. Najee Harris, the running back, had 53. Then you have Mechie and Smith with 76 and 145. Below that, it cuts off. Waddle and Bolden had 32 and 29. Then your tight ends, Miller Forrestal, sort of your more Kate Brewerish, you know, inline type guy. Yeah, you, good, yeah he, solid hand, you know what you got from him. Exactly. He can flex out the way Kate does, but he was used more in line. He was 27 targets, and Billingsley was at 19. Okay. And then that that's it, because below that, you have Brian Robinson, 10, and then you have five two so i mean you look at just the top two receivers accounted to for more than 52 percent you got out of 405 targets you had 145 and 76 so you're talking right there off the top of my head 221 targets between the two of them that's insane looking at texas and going over to texas i mean you're going 56 more 48 eagles the 38 smith and then 24 Black, 24 Whittington, 23 Schooler. You have six wide receivers right there in the top six. But when you add them up, that's not even the amount of targets that were received to Smith and Mechie. So basically you're yeah. combining those six guys funneling t- through two receivers now. basically got what Alabama's top two guys got. Yeah, exactly. And Waddle and Bolden were more of your slot-type guys in that offense that they used. So you look at the way that they disperse it, it's going to be three guys on the field in my eyes that you're going to see, and you're going to have a guy coming in for like a one-every-three sub if you look at a proportion. Yeah, and, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about in terms of Sark and his propensity – I don't even know if you can call it a propensity, but his his comfort level would be a better way to put it, of running a, a two-back offense with two tailbacks, whether that's 20 personnel, 21 personnel, whatever that looks like. I asked him about it at coaching school because he hadn't really – I had asked him about some two-back stuff in the spring in a press conference setting, but I asked him about it uh, at coaching school at his press conference there. And, you know, he, he admitted, Matt, and I'm finally glad he did it on record. He said, you know, when he first got to Atlanta – he really tried to carry over as much of Kyle Shanahan's offense as he possibly could to fit it within the framework of what he does so that he's not going in right after a Super Bowl year and rocking the boat way too much. Mm-hmm. And that was when we saw you know, their 21 and 20 personnel looks. And he even said because they used Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman so much in, in two tailback personnel – he said they actually, compared to other teams, they would actually deactivate a wide receiver mm-hmm. to make sure they, they had those running back spots and tight end spots available. So we know Sark is going to mix it up and be much, 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 much less reliant on just strictly 11 personnel like Tom Herman was. And I, and so that's really where you're looking at it. Like, I really think the, the hope, if you're a Texas fan, the hope should be as camp goes on and you start hearing about battles at the wide receiver position – that with Joshua Moore and with Jordan Whittington, whether it's Xavier Worthy or Marcus Washington, Kai Money, whoever it is, that you start to hear about really kind of a group of, I don't know, Matt, maybe like I said, three guys that really just start to separate themselves, and that's going to make things easier for Sark. Because if we're talking about this offense being built around that running back position, including Keelan Robinson as kind of that gadget play guy, mm-hmm. and we know Sark likes that tight end group, you know what you're going to get from Cade Brewer. He he's not going to be the second coming of David Thomas, but that's okay. He doesn't need to be to have a role in this offense. And we talked all through last season and throughout the offseason how much we like Jared Wiley mm-hmm. and his upside. And I really, even though it was a limited sample size, but based on 
what I've heard about Gunnar Helm and Juan Davis. I don't know if they're going to be able to contribute or be in a position to contribute heavily this season, but that tight end group is going to be a group that Sark leans on quite a bit. So you take that into consideration, the bodies you've got at tight end, the bodies you've got at running back. Yeah, we're spelling it out for you right now that it's really impossible to have a wide receiver rotation that's seven, eight guys deep, unless you're just not sure about anybody. So basically what we're saying, Matt, is if the receiver rotation is that deep, it means that Sark and Andre Coleman have gone through a camp and really just aren't that confident with what they've got outside of those top two or three guys. Yeah, it'd be a hint towards it being, you know, not good news for Texas fans in that situation. Like, I would be viewing it from a fantasy perspective because the first thing you do is go look in for, you know, you want quantity. You want as many targets. And teams like, say, how Sarks ran his offenses wherever he's been, you get that volume and that's what you really want. And that's along the same lines of what Texas fans wanted. They want the volume to the main guys. And I really think, you know, B. John Robinson, his ability, to be used in the passing game can't be undersold either because even if the receivers say aren't as good as ex- as expected or not one doesn't elevate ab- above the other ones seeing that Najee Harris was targeted 53 times remember Texas's leading receiver last year was 56 times with more and 48 times with the Eagles you had Smith at 38 like that's how much they threw to a guy like Najee Harris and Najee Harris he I mean he's more the you know just get vertical catching the ball in the open field not nearly as much variety in his routes run he's the type of guy schemed open very easily and if you can get the ball into Bijan's hands that way in addition to the normal run game that we've talked about uh, the ability to help the rest of the passing game it really cannot be undersold you could really look at a huge season from him not only on the ground but combined from the two like i wouldn't it would be unfathomable to to talk about a thousand yard receiver but all it takes is a couple big busts of a few plays and you could have him pushing towards that number on both sides of the ball for sure. Uh, so as we start to look at camp battles, Matt, I, I think one, and we know the names along the offensive line, and we think we've got an idea uh, of how it's going to go. And even if you go look at the insider from last week, Derek Kerstetter, Denzel Okafor, Christian Jones, and Jake Majors uh, have all been solid on the offensive line in workouts and from a leadership standpoint, according to a team source. But may I keep I don't know maybe this is just me through this last decade of following this program Matt I keep looking for that guy every time there's a coaching change or a staff overhaul there's one guy who was kind of lost in the shuffle that emerges as oh my gosh where did this guy come from and we talked about maybe is that a Marcus Washington is that one of these receivers or somebody else maybe it's somebody on the offensive line and the guy who apparently has had a really really good offseason is Tope Amade, a super senior who I don't know how many degrees Tope has from Texas at this point. I actually think he's working on his second master's degree. That's but, awesome. But this is what a source said about Tope Amade. Uh, quote, Tope's in the leadership group. Uh, he's the size Sark and Kyle Flutter are used to at Alabama, and he's gotten into really good shape. He could be a surprise guy at guard this season. So – that is a position group, though, if you're Kyle Flood. Now, we talk about limiting the numbers of guys in a receiver rotation. But if you're Kyle Flood, as we know, Matt, most offensive line coaches, you want to go into a season ideally. Now, would you love to be truly too deep on the offensive line? Yeah, every line coach in football at any level would like to be like that. But I think the best-case scenario for everybody is 
could you have that group of probably seven or hopefully, like you know, I think a best-case scenario, is eight. That means you've got one center guard, one guy who probably is your, your number three tackle, and then you've got your swing guy that can do a little bit of everything. Ideally, that's kind of what you want. But if Texas can come out of camp and Kyle Flood has options, like that to me is the theme at the offensive line when you talk about competition. You don't want your five guys, because we've seen this some years at Texas, or your five guys, or man, these are just the five guys that we feel like have the best chance of not getting our quarterback killed. We don't think you know, you're just kind of holding on. Uh, and for just lack of better options, these guys are your starters. No, or, or like think about 2015, mm-hmm. like when you had to run Connor Williams and Patrick Vahe out there to start at Notre Dame on the road against a really good Notre Dame team because, man, you had not you had nobody else. They were true freshmen. They were the best you had, and you had no other options. Now I, I just want to see Kyle Flood come out of this camp with some options on that offensive line. Like if you can if you can be in a position – like if Tope Amane is a starting caliber guy, and you can be in a position where you can really put Derek Kerstetter in the position where you feel he helps you most – and if that's right tackle because Amadi is that good at guard, or maybe that's guard because uh, you know Christian Jones and you know I don't know Denzel Okafor or whoever steps needs to step up at tackle, or maybe that's an Isaiah Hookfin coming off the shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. In other words, Tope Amade, I think Matt, in, in my opinion, if he's one of your top, your number six or your number seven or your number eight guy, and I think you're in a really good spot on the offensive line. Coming out of camp, if if that's the case, yeah, because we've talked about the ability just trying to manufacture depth, and if you get a veteran type senior like that to be able to come in, and I know it's a limited amount of snaps, but according to Pro Football Focus, you know he rated ahead of Kerstetter and Ungalau in pass blocking, and only behind Cosme, Rafiti, Gramai in limited snaps, and same with Andrej Karic. So like you're talking oh, yeah, about I didn't a even guy mention, that's I didn't even mention Karic. Yeah, and those guys when you look at Cosme at the top, but he have Karich at 82.4 was his PFF grade, and then Gramai and overall is just pass blocking. Pass blocking. Okay. Yep, that's pass. I can go to run blocking too next, but just looking at and seeing Amadi that high up there, it's pretty good. And the Topi Amadi run blocking third, just behind Hookfin, graded out as their number one last year, but very limited snaps, only played in one game. But Samuel Cosme in 86.4 and Topi Amadi ranks third, so it's not bad. No, not at all. So there's uh, Topia Mate is a name to keep an eye on on the offensive line. And, man, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens with Kerstetter. Like the center thing didn't really work out, and mm-hmm. I really like Jake Majors. I know Rod is a big Jake Majors fan. But now I, I just feel like you're in a position. I mean, Kerstetter, you feel like he's going to be your backup center, but I, I know the staff has been kind of tinkering with maybe looking at Junior Angulao at center. We'll see how all that plays out in camp. But hey, Kerstetter's a guy that – you know, you didn't go into the portal to get anybody, but for lack of a better term, maybe he is your portal guy. And again, just being able to plug him in wherever you see that hole. We know it's not going to be at center, so it's going to be at one of the two guard spots or one of the two tackle spots. I like having the flexibility with Kerstetter rather than just pigeonholing him into a spot and saying, yeah, you're going to be here. Well, and just having the safety of knowing that maybe a veteran that's easily adaptable to the situation, you know, every player's different, and some young guys can have that type of football IQ or just that awareness as a lineman to be plugged in. But a lot of staffs, you probably trust that you have a veteran guy that you can be able to figure it out if he's needed to put in in case of emergency in this 
area. Yeah, let's shift over to defense as we look at camp battles. And I don't know, Matt, if this is a camp battle, but we talked about this on this show, the need for Pete Kwiatkowski to be flexible week to week. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of the stars of the defensive line this summer was Moro Ojimo with his attitude and work ethic. He had a, we, we forget, like go back and think of the spring game. Moro Ojimo had a really good spring game. And this mm-hmm. is what a team source said, uh, told Horns 24-7 about Moro Ojimo, quote, He's really just getting into prime physical shape since he was so young when he was in high school. And I forget this about him. I know he's young, but you forget the number. Hmm. He doesn't turn 20. And this is a guy that was in the 2018 recruiting class. Wow. He doesn't turn 20 until after fall camp starts. So between the start of camp and the Louisiana game, that's when Moro Ojemo has his 20th birthday. Yeah, there's some kids like that in certain classes. Like I know when it was KD enrolled at Texas, he was 17. But then you got high school kids like say Quinn Ewers right now going into senior year that's 18. So yeah. those are the type of things. Once you get to the NFL or the NBA, that's when they really look at those birthdays. So you, we keep talking about the talent and the depth that this defensive line has. And I, I won't include Jacoby Jones in this right now just because we think of him more as an edge guy. But – since that's where he was during the spring, but between Ojemo, Coburn, Collins, Broughton, and Tavondre Sweat coming back off the shoulder surgery, man, I, man, I, I just I think Pete Kwiatkowski might have to look at maybe doing more three man front with a hybrid in as opposed to two down with two hybrids because that's where your strength lies. I mean, I that's why he makes a heck of a lot more money than I do and is in the position he's in as a defensive coordinator, and I'm sitting here doing a podcast talking about this. But, man, we know you don't have a one single entity that can make up for the loss of Joseph Osai. Mm-hmm. We know that we talked about the question marks at, at inside linebacker. What are you going to do there? And, and that's a competition where I'm just looking at you know the insider and – Luke Brockermeyer's name has come up as a guy who could push for playing time at middle linebacker. Delia Dayaway is in the thick of that competition. And that, I think that tells you where that competition is, that you have a guy that missed all of spring ball in the portal and is now back and has a chance to go on a job. David Benda had a really good spring. So I have no like That is the most wide-open camp battle is for that inside linebacker spot next to DeMarvian Overshone. So you take that into consideration with the – I won't say issues, but uncertainty, at least from the outside looking in that you've got on the edge. Man, if I'm Pete Kwiatkowski and Bo Davis, I've just got to figure out how do you best maximize that depth and talent you've got in your interior. And that's where it's good to have a guy like Kwiatkowski who we've seen has done many things on the front, and you can actually have the amount of guys and how you're using them up front impact the amount of linebackers you have to play. So when you tie those things together, if it comes down to the best 11, it's something that he's had to do before. And even Ojimo's a guy that can play on the edge. Like We've seen him kind of have that skill set where he can kick out to a wider shade and rush the passers. So there's a little look at some camp battles as camp gets started officially underway on Friday, reporting day on Thursday. We'll have it for you. Uh, all uh, camp updates at Horns 24-7, and we will keep talking about it here on Longhorn Blitz as we get you closer to the start of the first season of the Steve Sarkeesian era, which as we sit here and record, we are 33 days away from the opener. Those of you listening to this on published date, 32 days away from kickoff. So uh, that's where we are right now, and that's going to do it for uh, for this quickie episode, if you will, of Longhorn Blitz Sands Rod Babers. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Matt, thanks so much for the time, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. I always appreciate the time and the knowledge that Rod Babers gives us each and every week. You can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on The Horn on the Triple Option, or you can also catch myself and Craig Wade. That's The Horn, 1049-1019 AM1260, streaming on The Horn app and at hornfm.com. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcasts. Click that follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz along with the flagship and state of recruiting. And don't forget to to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.